Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi. What's up? I'm doing pretty good, you know? I'm fucking exhausted. I'm... I'm a little exhausted, but in a good way. You've I've, had a great weekend. I had a really so good jealous. weekend. I did. I went to um, Disneyland yesterday and California Adventure, which was great. Although I will say TMI kind of, but this is a feminist podcast, so everyone should know that like for the first time since I was in like middle school, I went on a bunch of rides and then like went to the bathroom and found out that I had like bled through <gasps> my through my underwear, through my shorts. What did you do? Luckily, because I had planned on going on some water rides, yes. I had brought a complete <gasps> change. I brought I brought a change of underwear and a change of clothes. Wow. So it was like fine. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. like I was that has not happened to me in so long. It happens to me every single period without fail. It's awful. I, mean, I was luckily, just like Jesus. I'll usually catch it right where like it'll hit the pants but it won't go through. Yeah. Oh no. It. It. Yeah. Yeah. But usually it does. I've been at work where it's I'll bad. stand up oh. and I'm like, Ugh. oh, yep, this happened. But I mean, other than that, it's been great. Like, I love Disneyland. You know, I love it. I had a great time. And then today, I was, I did my notes this morning, and then I went to the pool all day because it's like finally hot enough to like be in the pool. Degrees. I know, which means that the closet is pretty hot right now. Yes. But you Madigan, are in your bra. Madigan's back in the bra. Yes. This is where we're at. If I. Um, was more prepared, I'd be in my underwear, but... I mean, literally, prepared. I have no underwear on, so it's not even like I could take off this jumpsuit I'm wearing. That's true. Uh, you could just be straight just up... But, in the nude, but in we the buff. Sit, we sit cross-legged. I feel like that might be a it's little... It's a very vulnerable position. <laughs> just vag out. Open. Open and, like, and out. Ready. To and, receive. And yes. just on your chair, naked. No, not gonna do that. And my chairs are, like, see-through plastic. <laughs> It's also just, like, a weird... That reminds me of, like, a, like a porn video where, like, a girl would be sitting on a platform. And there'd it's be those, some creeper it's with the camera, you know? porn videos where, like, a, a woman will be Tom. naked laying on top of a glass, like, tabletop. You don't do that? I don't. I do it every and day. squished boobs is, like, a weird... Anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, so... This podcast is getting a very strange opening. Because it has nothing to do with our very serious and... Angering, angering, uh, infuriating, sure. infuriating it, I mean, topic. Truly, poor Anthony has had to listen to me be seriously pissed off yeah. throughout uh, my research of this topic. And we should say that we usually record the full length episode and the mini on the same day mm-hmm. because this topic was so involved and had. Um, so many kinds of ins and outs that we needed to make sure we paid attention to. Yeah. We decided to wait to record this until Sunday. The episode comes out on Monday. Monday. So, um, it's a lot. It's a lot of information. It's really, really, really upsetting. And I think for me also having been raised in a very conservative environment with a, with a lot of conservative family members. Reagan is really looked up to as being, yeah. like, the highlight of Republican presidency. Yeah, which is um, just interesting because I've always heard shitty things about Reagan. I mean, he doesn't seem like an altogether bad person. No. He seems like a person who, and this is worse in a lot of ways, yeah. and in this situation I think it's worse than just being a bad person, He seems like a person who was willing to allow a lot of really, really, really bad shit to happen in the name of appearing a certain way in front of people. All of it was appearances, and I'm assuming a lot of what people were telling him, because his publicist was a dick. You know? Yeah, and so that's what happened here. And so you guys know, unless you're just listening to our episodes on auto, you know, repeat or record or whatever. Yeah. Um... 
you guys know that we are talking about Reagan and the AIDS crisis. Yes. Reagan administration. So both Nancy and Ronald Reagan and their administration yep. were um, complicit in the deaths of tens of thousands, thousands of Americans. Yes. I have a timeline that I got online, and at the end of each year, they tally up the number of deaths each year. And it was like going down that timeline just aggravating, especially because it took like seven years for him to even utter the phrase AIDS, you know? Correct. Yeah. I mean, and I have about 10 or 12 pages of notes yeah. that I will do my best to try and fumble my way through. Yes. Uh, but it is really important. I think it's important not only to highlight the devastation that was the AIDS epidemic. It really yeah. was a plague that wiped its way through, especially... Have you, have you watched that documentary, How to Survive a Plague? Yes. Yeah, it's good. I have. It was... I, I, I did not watch it in preparation for this episode because I was writing a bunch yeah, of notes. Yeah, seen it but, a while ago. But I watched it a long time ago, and it was devastating to yeah. me. I, yeah. I remember exactly where I was when I was watching it. Anthony was not at home. It was when we didn't live together. I was in his apartment for mm-hmm. the day while he was at work, and I was on his bed watching this documentary, yeah. and I was crying yeah. by myself because it's so horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I actually know a guy who he lived in... He's a gay man, and he lived in San Francisco during this time. Mm-hmm. And most of his friends died. Most yeah. of his friends are dead. Yeah. Because this was a plague, just yeah. like you think of anything else that happened. It was an epidemic that wiped out large swaths of communities. And because it was a quote-unquote gay disease, it wasn't being treated with any of the um, urgency that we would treat or any compassion. other disease. Or compassion. None. People the stigma just didn't and the rhetoric care. around it was awful. They didn't care. And it, if anything, I think a lot of these people actually actively ignored it with the hopes that it would wipe out as many gay people as possible. Like, yep. I think it was more than indifference. I think it was negligence to the point of... Um, I mean, murder. <laughs> murder. Well, not murder, but like, yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, yeah. you are right. I, I, I think, I think truly, I think truly, like, if this was a criminal case, mm-hmm. I think if anyone else outside of a presidential administration knew that inaction would cause this much death, this much death, they yeah. would be held culpable for that. And like, Most it's definitely. insane to me. Okay, so let's, let's jump in here. Yeah, where do you want to start, Keegan? So I'll start with, in 1978 was the first year that gay men in Western countries, so Sweden and the United States, started to get sick with what would later become AIDS. Yeah. Uh, Prior to this, there were a lot of documented cases, and I actually read one article that makes a very good point about this. There were documented cases of AIDS in countries with black and brown people, specifically Africa, Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and people once again did not care care about this. Because, of course. Because, of course, they're black and brown people in third world countries that we just don't care about. Yeah, and they say that a lot of times, like, with the 1970s and the sexual revolution, like, it was kind of this time where it was like a love the one you're with kind of time, where, you know, we started seeing this epidemic flare up at the end of the 70s, but it was all through the 70s that people were kind of just like sleeping with each other, especially in these large cities in the U.S., like L.A., New York, San Francisco, um, it was, people were getting sick, and it wasn't until the late 70s that they were starting to kind of realize a trend a little bit more. Right, and this trend, of course, was more, um, was happening more and more within gay male communities. Yes. Because... It's not, of course, we know now that HIV and AIDS can be transmitted a number of ways, but it does get transmitted more easily through the anal cavity. Yes. So in gay male communities, it was being transmitted more frequently, more easily. Yeah. So in 1980, I'm going to kind of go back and forth between talking about the AIDS crisis and talking about the Reagan administration and what was happening within the administration at the Great. time. So that we can kind of understand why things happened the way they did. Definitely. Um, in 1980, Reagan beat Carter in the election 
And when he did so, only about 30 people at this time in 1980 had died in the United States of AIDS. There were only about 30 documented deaths at this time. On June 5th, 1981, the CDC reported that five young homosexual men in L.A. had been treated for a life-threatening fungal lung infection. Mm. I can't pronounce this illness. Yeah, it's like pneumonositis carini pneumonia. Sure. That sounds right. Yeah, and the, it, was at, <laughs> it was three different hospitals in L.A. Two patients died, and all five had lab-confirmed previous or current, and again, long medical terms, cytomegalovirus infection and candidal mucosal infection. And these things only happen... You're amazing. <laughs> I didn't even... I literally put in quote in parentheses. I was like, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. <laughs> well, I did it. But... um. It's only found in people who have extremely compromised immune systems. So at this time, they were like, that's weird that it's happening, but it's, you know, these specific diseases, and a connection wasn't made yet. However, these diseases really only occur whenever your immune system is incredibly compromised. Right, which is AIDS taking its course. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like AIDS AIDS itself is not the thing that's going to kill you inevitably. It's your weakened immune system that causes other illnesses to come in and eventually kill you. Yeah, Um, on the 4th, the CDC reports 26 cases of Kaposi sarcoma mm-hmm. in the last 30 months, all among gay men. Eight died, all within 24 months of diagnosis. And again, Kaposi sarcoma is one of those things that it's your weakened immune system that yeah. is going to cause that again. Um so at this time, no one knows what this is, but doctors start to kind of like put a pattern together together. But doctors start to kind of put a pattern together among members of the gay community. So 234 people died from AIDS over the course of 1981. Yep. On May 11th, 1982, doctors identify the bloodborne pathogen behind these deaths. Yeah. At these deaths, and they call the new disease gay-related immune deficiency syndrome <sighs> or GRIDS. Yep. And this is kind of it's one of those things where of course we look back now and we're like that's so offensive. Yeah, it is because it's like if you're gay this is like but at the time doctors were seeing it as like it was only affecting gay people from what they could see i guess and um you know the the prejudice at the time i think did color what they called it yeah uh in 1982 853 americans died. Yes. So and the, Reagan had not yet mentioned AIDS at all. Right. So the term AIDS came in June of 1982, replacing GRIDS as the appropriate term. So me- yeah. members of the medical community did kind of jump in on this pretty quickly and put a stop to GRIDS being yeah, like the, what it was called. The medical community, I feel like, for the most part, did a lot of good in some parts. Right. Like a lot of the like amazing doctors I read about oh, there's I incredible were like... Oh, my God. I mean, and actually, we will actually talk about people who are even, you know, Republican conservatives who are just like, this is an epidemic. People are dying. Yeah. Like, I don't have to agree with their lifestyle to know that, like, people are fucking dying and you have to do something about this. Exactly. This is insanity. Yep. Um. So even though the med- medical community corrected their ter- terminology fairly quickly on this, the culture at the time was still incredibly bigoted, and they started calling this disease gay plague or gay cancer. Yeah. This was something, you know, because it disproportionately affected homosexual men, mm-hmm. they felt that they could start calling it these things. So, okay, I'm going to dive a little bit into the Reagans. Okay. The Reagans actually had a lot of gay friends. Yeah. They were friends well, uh, with lots of Rock, gay people. Rock Hudson, right? They were friends with Rock Hudson, longtime friends with Rock Hudson, uh, fashion designers that helped craft Nancy's outfits throughout their entire campaign were gay. Yeah. Interior designers that helped decorate their home were gay. Uh, they even had the first couple, gay couple, same-sex couple, stay in the White House during their... Um, while they were in the White, in the White House. House. Yes, wow. they they had a gay couple who came to visit them that were friends with them that they allowed to stay there. And they were the first presidential couple that did that. Yeah. Um, but it just makes his response to so many gay Americans dying that, all the more, like, disgusting yeah, and disturbing. Exactly. Because it 
it honestly doesn't seem like Nancy or Ronald Reagan held any personal negative beliefs towards homosexuality or gay people. It just seems that his career and the support for the people who were surrounding him mattered more than these lives. So in... Let's let's take it back to 1967 when Reagan took office as the governor of California as a Republican and news articles began to spread that there was a, quote, homosexual clique in the Reagan administration because a lot of the people that held high positions in his administration were gay men. Okay. Now, Reagan had campaigned on ending California's moral decline, and so this news was a huge deal at the time and had the potential to hurt Reagan politically, and so Reagan fired all of the gay men in his administration. Mm. In 1978, a California lawmaker—okay, and so this is going to kind of swing back the other way. This gives you the idea of, like, who Reagan was as a person. Again, I don't think he actually held any malice towards gay people. Right. I think it was all about, like... He didn't want to lose his following. Exactly. So, in 1978, a California lawmaker named Briggs proposed a ballot initiative that would have banned not only gay people, but anyone who supported gay rights from teaching in the California public schools. It was called the Briggs Initiative. This was a very popular initiative. You know, they had a Republican... California had a Republican governor. It was Mm -hmm. a very popular initiative. But um, Reagan actually took a public stance against this initiative, Mm -hmm. and it was defeated. Yeah. So, and it was around this time that he let his friends, who were also a same-sex couple, stay in the White House. He, to a lot of people... To a lot of gay people, he was kind of seen as like, well, this is our best case scenario for a Republican governor. Exactly. In 1982, the AIDS crisis was ramping up and uh, prominent enough that the Reagan administration should have been taking notice. However, when it was brought up at a 1982 press conference, this is what happened. This was the Reagan's ad- the Reagan administration's first public response to AIDS. And let me tell you guys, I have listened to all these recordings. Yeah. If you want to be throw your shit infuriated about this situation, listen to these recordings because the response from not only the press secretary for the White House about the AIDS crisis, but also everyone in the press pool, uh-huh. the press pool, like who you think would be like slightly more liberal or more understanding. They're laughing. They're laughing. They're yeah. laughing about people who are dying. Do you want to read a little bit of it? Sure. And when we read this, I just want to keep in mind for everyone, at this point, this first press conference, nearly 1,000 people have died yes. of AIDS at yes. this point. Okay. Yes. So Lester Kinsolving is a reporter. Yeah. And he is also, it should be noted, once again, he is a reporter with conservative views. Yeah. And you are going to hear this man kind of stand up for gay people like yeah. you have this whole thing even yeah. though like he is a conservative man with conservative viewpoints so who do which, you, who which do you want to play oh god i mean you be speaks oh okay i feel like you could do a fucking asshole better than i can thank you no i mean <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna believe it with my Minnie mouse voice all right all right so uh yeah go ahead okay so madigan is lester kin solving Keegan Winfield playing Larry Speaks. Larry Speaks is the press secretary for Reagan. There you go. Does the president have any reaction to the announcement by the Center of Disease Control in Atlanta that AIDS is now an epidemic in over 600 cases? AIDS? I haven't got anything on it. Over a third of them have died. It's known as gay plague. Press pool laughter. No, it is. It's a pretty serious thing. One in every three people that get this have died, and I wonder if the president was aware of this. I don't have it. (laughs) Press pool laughter. Do you? You don't have it? Well, I'm relieved to hear that, Larry. Press pool laughs. Do you? No, I don't. You didn't answer my questions. How how do you know? Press pool laughter. Does the president, in other words, the White House, look on this as a great joke? No, I don't know anything about it, Lester. Now, when you listen to this, it's so clear to me, a thousand people have died. He is asking, he's the only one in a group of press yeah. reporters asking about an epidemic that is wiping people out. Yeah. And what 
what the um, press secretary, which everyone, if you want to know like what that job is, think about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Same thing. What the press secretary is doing here is he is pivoting the conversation and basically making gay jokes. Yeah. I'm not gay, are you? The mm-hmm. president's not gay, are you? Mm-hmm. Why would you even be asking this yeah, question? Yeah, wh- why do you care, are you gay too? That kind right, of thing. Right, right. And it's like, no, I'm not gay. A thousand people have died. Yeah. What does it matter? Yeah. Um. Now, they make more jokes throughout this entire exchange. You can listen to the whole thing. So, yeah, he, uh, Larry Kinsolving is a journalist who's asking these questions. He's homophobic. Like, you can read other things that he's written, things that he has said. Yeah. He's a homophobic person. He's a right-wing rep- Republican. But even he is like, hey, people are dying, mm-hmm. and maybe we should do something about this. So the Reagan administration at this point refuses to even address it. They're not even answering the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, to even admit that they're aware of this might be a problem. So let's talk about why that might be a problem for them. Right. Because it's an it's a strange thing. It's like the Reagans have friends who are gay. Why are they avoiding this to the point of allowing thousands of Americans to die? Because of the people that support him. Because of the people who got him elected. Yep. So 12 days before the 1980 election, Ronald Reagan had received an endorsement from a group called Christians for Reagan. Yep. And they were an independent fundamentalist Christian lobbying group. And they paid for a bunch of ads attacking then-President Carter, who was running against Reagan, for catering to gay people. Mm-hmm. Quote, uh, oh, not quote, sorry. On one spot, an announcer intoned, the gays in San Francisco elected him mayor. Now they're going to elect him president. Hmm. Uh, before these ads ran, Carter, who was a born-again Christian, still had evangelical support. After the ads, the support switched over to Reagan. They helped him carry almost all the southern states. Homophobia, in part, is what got Reagan elected exactly. president. Because this is the first time you really see, this kind of election is the first time that you really see a divide between like Democrats and Republicans running on this... like. Moral ground. Moral high ground on one or two issues, like yeah. abor- abortion or homophobia. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of the first time you see that because Reagan, who was a born, or not Reagan, Carter, who was a born-again Christian, was not necessarily anti-abortion as a politician. He was as a person, but not yeah. as a politician. And he wasn't homophobic as a politician because he realized that he was meant to serve the many, yeah, not just the few. Yeah. So this... This ad only ran within the southern states, and it really damaged Carter, Mm -hmm. and in part really got Reagan elected. So if this got him elected, he couldn't then turn around and appear to be sympathetic towards gay people. It reminds me a lot of Donald Trump with his campaign based on like racism and homophobia and all of these things, where if he were to suddenly flip the coin and not give in to what his... um, administration wants, his base wants, Mm -hmm. he would then lose his support and his following. And that's what he cares the most about, is, like, being popular and liked and followed, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's what makes this the most upsetting, is because it's not somebody who, like, not that it would make it better, but people who truly believe a thing, you're like, oh, well, they truly believe that what they're doing is right or wrong, and it's causing a lot of damage, but it's coming from their, like, deep, true-held beliefs, this is infuriating because it's I don't probably think he not what it. he believes. I, I don't think yet he he's can. going I, along with and it. And he's willing to, at the expense of how many lives, yep. he's willing to allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. So whenever people started kind of making noise about this in California, and the reason why noise was being made about it is not only because San Francisco, which was kind of the hub of where a lot of this was happening, yeah. and gay men were dying, uh, was in California, but also because... People had a lot of gay staffers on their staff. Politicians did. And their staffers were coming to them and saying, my friends are dying. My friends are sick. We have to do something. Yeah. Now, because Reagan had previously gotten rid of his all of his gay staff, they had essentially no voice in this administration in any real way. They couldn't permeate or, like, punctuate anything within this administration. And it was really, like... It, it was it was really hard for them. You yeah. had people like other government officials being like, "We have to do something." People on my staff are dying; their friends are dying. Like yeah. we have to do something. The only um, 
Oh, sorry. So in 1982, the National Institute of Health spent, this is just to give you some perspective on this crisis. So thousands of people have died at this point of AIDS or are sick from HIV and AIDS related yeah. illnesses. In 1982, the National Institute of Health spent $32,000 per toxic shock death. We talked about toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. They spent $32,000 per toxic shock death to research yeah. what was going on there. They spent only $8,991 per AIDS death. Where yeah. thousands of, when, when thousands, when a lot more people are dying of AIDS than toxic shock in yeah. 1982. Yeah. A lot more. They're like, but we need to focus on the tampons. Yeah, it's, it's in, because no one wanted to talk about it. Yeah. It, which is shocking that they'd rather talk about how tampons may be affecting women rather than well because how you know what I bet you the religious right had a vested interest in stopping women from sticking shit up their vaginas oh I'm sure you know <sighs> um, the Reagan administration cut CDC funding nearly in half mm -hmm. when they took office and staffers joked that NIH which is the National Institute of Health really stood for not interested in homosexuals. Just, just great. Um, in cool. 1983, the CDC warned blood banks that the blood supply may have been contaminated with HIV. The yeah. HIV virus was uh, identified and named in 1983. Yeah, in uh, France. In France, really? Yeah, I didn't in know France. that. Yeah, because the the U.S. kind of were like, "Hey, we discovered this is HIV." The next year, when France had already kind of been like, "Hey, this is what this is." That's, At least that's what I got from my timeline. That's Sorry awful. if I'm wrong. No, I no. was kind of like you're not. I mean, I'm sure you're not wrong. I didn't get that. I was kind of like, huh? Okay. So by this time in 1983, there has now been in that year alone there was 2,304 deaths. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Reagan in 1983 again publicly has not silent. said the word AIDS Completely in 1983. Silent. Mm -hmm. Should we move on to 84? Uh, or do you have more to say about 83? I'm almost done. I'm so sorry. No, it's all <laughs> so good. Many notes. Um, so later in that, in um, there was another press conference in 1983, in June of 1983, and roughly at this time, as many people have died of AIDS that died in the World Trade Center attacks. Yeah. Like, that's how many people have died yeah. of AIDS at this point. There was another press conference in this press conference, it's much of the same. So much laughter, joking about the word fairies, tons of gay jokes. Yeah. Thousands it's of not, people it, have died. It's not getting shit done. Thousands of people have died, and yeah. they're making gay jokes. Because they're less than. Mm -hmm. We talk about that with mm -hmm. any... You know, minority but group. But they're less. Their lives are not seen as being as important as a white person's life. It's and horrifying. A white person's it's life. horrifying to hear it. Like it's horrifying to hear it. Um, so later in June was the first official meeting of the Reagan administration with members of the gay community in mm -hmm. regards to the AIDS, cri the AIDS crisis. Members of the gay task force, and these were basically like gay members of the community who had yeah. like who had been working to try and get things done on behalf of the gay community. They were present at this meeting with the Reagan administration. Reagan yeah. wasn't there, but other members of his administration were there, and they asked for more money for sex ed at the state level, mm -hmm. um, a national conversation about condom use, and the destigmatization of AIDS as a gay disease. I mean, it eventually, uh, it eventually starts to happen when we look at when we get to 1986 when um the u.s surgeon general coop starts to kind coop of is a shit. surprising hero in this story right and he shouldn't be because that man is so conservative but he, but he like, is but it's years because later he's, he's finally, a doctor and he's yeah. like my job is to save lives not to like stand by like what whatever my personal morals but he could have easily yes but he, he didn't. Personal morals. He didn't. So we will get to him in a little bit. But eventually, that's hurt a little bit. But it's but, uh, not taken seriously. Right. At the I mean, time. in 1983, this is what they're asking for. They're asking for sex ed, a conversation about using condoms as a way to not spread AIDS. Yeah. And destigmatizing AIDS as being just a gay disease because it can be spread a number of ways. Because, t but to the administration, it has to be a gay disease because that's what. And they're not the a butt of the joke. And they're and not it upset. Makes it not a big deal. They're not upset that gay people are dying. No. They just don't care. Exactly. Um, so 
the Reagan administration was basically like, no, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so they had a second meeting without the gay task force present. Mm. And instead, this was in August of 1983, instead they invited the national director of the conservative caucus. Of course they did. Who advised that, quote, any information about AIDS had to be given under a blanket condemnation of homosexuality as a moral wrong. They would not give any information on the spread of AIDS without saying this is happening because you're gay and being gay is bad and if you stop being gay you won't get this disease essentially is what they were saying in late 1983 there were a lot of doctors in San Francisco who had been critical and helpful in dealing with the AIDS crisis from the very beginning and they were Mm -hmm. like in the trenches seeing the devastation that was happening throughout um, the gay community but also just to people throughout San Francisco in general people were dying at an alarming rate and um, one of these uh, doctors, he went to Reagan officials, and he said that um, da, 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 da. his name was Conant, and he and his colleagues were there, and he said, we're going on and on about how this was a disease, an infectious disease. Her response, which is someone in the White House, who is a White House liaison, her response was that this was a legal problem, not a medical problem, simply because of who uh, gay men with AIDS were and who their sexual partners were, she told him, these people were breaking the law because they were gay. She didn't care about the fact that this was a medical fucking epidemic crisis. Yeah, totally I don't know if epidemic is a whatever. word, but like it is now. But because even. but because they were gay, it didn't matter. Yeah. This made it a legal problem and not a medical problem. Because they problem. were breaking the law in her words. And so they deserve to die, I guess. And later that year, Pat Buchanan, who was Reagan's communications director, mm-hmm. he later went on to run for president. Um he said he's a communications director. He's the one who's supposed to speak for the White House. Right. He came forward and said, The sexual revolution has begun to devour its children, and among the revolutionary vanguard as gay rights activists, the mortality rate is highest and climbing. The poor homosexuals, they have declared war upon nature, and now nature is exacting its awful retribution. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So basically saying, like, you are dying because you're gay. That's what that's exactly what the communications director for the White House said yeah. in public. So, okay, we're moving on to 1984. Wait. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, first thing I have is that Dr. Robert I don't know if it's Gallo or Gallo of the US claims to have discovered the virus causing AIDS a year after the French did. Ellipses. Okay. He's like, I have discovered it. Uh, I figured, Eureka. Eureka. Everyone's I have like, discovered it. N- no, we know. We know. France is like, what the fuck? So Reagan has still not addressed AIDS to the public. And then I have Opus BBS became the first mainstream software system to donate 100% of its proceeds to AIDS care and research, which is super cool. That is super cool. But still nothing happening there was cool in things. Major politics. No, not in politics. <laughs> there were cool things happen. Cool is a bad word, but yeah. there were things happening within like the zeitgeist within pop culture uh, that were going on that brought attention to AIDS, such as yeah. that, and also that the Democratic National Convention took place in San Francisco that year, mm-hmm. and they did that on purpose to draw attention to the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, and um, one hundred thousand people marched throughout the city. Yeah. Uh, to kind of try and drive a point home and get attention that, like, people were dying. Yeah. In 1984, even though the president throughout this entire year still has said nothing publicly about AIDS, they mm-hmm. did invite their longtime friend, Rock Hudson, to the White House this year. Yep. Even though um, they may not have known this at the time, but he was infected with HIV at the time that he stayed yeah. at the White House. Um. And it should be pointed out that 4,251 Americans died of AIDS in 1984. Yes. Also in 1984 is when they kind of penned this patient zero thing. And it was mentioned in a book called In the um, the Band Played the plan, On. The Band Played On is an incredible like resource for all of this information. Very much so. So they were saying that this patient zero was a man named Gayton Dugas... And he was a gay male flight attendant. And in the book, 
he's portrayed as being like this sociopath purposefully infecting people. And I don't know if this is a claim from Dugas himself or if this is what other people are claiming, but it's claimed that he has had 2,500 sexual partners in the United States. So people are like, okay, this guy is flying to all these other places and he's sleeping actively with... Actively trying to spread this disease. Actively trying to spread it and he's sleeping with all of these Americans and that's why AIDS is in the U.S. So they wanted... Basically to me what that seems like is they wanted to have one person to blame the whole thing on and if that person is stopped then the whole thing stops? I don't know. It I just think that, to me it sounds like a little bit me. like they're trying to pass the buck they're of responsibility. Reaching. They're reaching. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that is what that sounds like to me. Yeah. So the, the next press conference which I think you have... Yep. Uh, in there did occur in 1984. Again, keep in mind that in this year alone, in this one year, 1984, at the time they've had this press conference, uh, 4,200 people have died of AIDS at this point. Yep. So, okay, do you want to do this? We're going to do this, this again. Do you want well? to be Speaks again? Sure. <clears throat> um, Larry Speaks. He says, Lester is beginning to circle now. He's moving up front. Go ahead. Since the Centers of Disease Control in Atlanta report is going to press, press pool, pool laughter, laughter. Uh, this is going to be an AIDS question. That an estimated... You were close. Can I ask the question, Larry? And that an estimated 300,000 people have been exposed to AIDS, which can be transmitted through saliva. This is false. HIV can only be transmitted through blood, semen, precum, rectal fluids, vaginal fluids, and breast milk. Will the president, as commander-in-chief, take steps to protect armed forces food, and medical services from AIDS patients or those who run the risk of spreading AIDS in the same manner that they bed typhoid fever people from being invoked in the health and food services. Through this question, laughter can be heard coming from the press pool. Right. So I want to pause this right now. If you listen to this, you can almost not hear what he's saying. Yeah. Because people are talking over him and people are laughing yeah. throughout this entire question. Well, because question. Speak started up, I'd be like, oh, it's going to be an AIDS question. So Wait, no, no, like, no. He makes, he makes jokes every fucking time. I cannot yeah. believe that the press secretary is allowed to just essentially make jokes this whole time. Yeah. So Larry Speaks says, I don't know. Is the president concerned about this subject, Larry? I haven't heard him express concern. This seems to have evoked such jocular reaction here. Press pool laughter. Unidentified person. It isn't only... <laughs> It isn't only the jocks, Lester, unidentified person. Has he sworn off water faucets now? No, but I mean, is he going to do anything, Larry? Lester, I have not heard him express anything, sorry. You mean he has expressed no no opinion about this epidemic? No, but I must confess I haven't heard, I haven't asked him about it. Will you ask him, Larry? Have you been checked? Press pull laughter. Unidentified person. Is the president going to ban mouth-to-mouth kissing? What? Pardon? I didn't hear your answer. Laughs. Uh, it's hard work. I don't get paid enough. Um, is there anything else we need to do here? So I'll try and find this. I know that there's the audio. I don't know if there's any video. If there's video, I'll post it to our Instagram. Yeah. If there's audio, um, I don't know. Maybe we can release it somewhere else another time. Yeah. But we might be able to find like a video of the audio that we can share on Instagram. It is it is really important that people... Of course, you know, Madigan and I have excellent acting skills. However... Oh, no, that was not my, my shining was it, moment. It was, not my, it was not my best work. <laughs> I didn't rehearse. I didn't, I didn't either. Um, it, was not my, <laughs> it was not my best work. However, like, there is something about hearing mm-hmm. them have this conversation. Larry Speaks... Through laughter. Larry Speaks, who is the press secretary, is so dismissive of this situation... You would not think that thousands of people are dead. That's the thing you need to keep in mind. Yeah. Thousands of people are dead. And he is addressing this situation in such a nonchalant way. Yeah. It is so disturbing. Yeah. It is incredibly disturbing. Definitely. Um, in July of 1985, Rock Hudson flew to France to try an experimental AIDS treatment. He collapsed on his way, and his people, his PR people, they called the White House because they were trying to contact this one French doctor who was doing this experimental treatment. Yeah. In order for him to get access to this doctor, uh, he needed to go to a French uh, army hospital. Okay. And so they needed the 
somebody to help them get into this this access. Well, yeah, and he's friends with the president. He's friends with the president. Yeah. So they're like, we can call the president. Uh, we're good friends with the president. If the president of the United States calls France and says, hey, please let Rock Hudson into this hospital, he's gonna they'll get probably do it. Yeah. So, and it's what they needed to, you know, help save his life. So Nancy and Ronald did not intervene here. Somebody went to Nancy, told her what was going on, and she thought it better that they not get involved. Mm-hmm. So they did not get involved, and on July 25th, Rock Hudson announced publicly that he had AIDS, and that also kind of served as his coming out message that he was a homosexual. Uh, The gay community was, you know, of course it was tragic in a way that that this American icon, it would be kind of like George Clooney coming out and saying they have AIDS, uh, was announcing this thing. However, the gay community was also heartened to think that, like, okay... This is a famous person. He's friends with the president. Maybe something will happen now. Yep. Um, so, on. I mean, but to be honest, I mean, it probably does. did. It yeah. probably did help things because on September seventeenth, nineteen eighty-five, yep. that's the first time that Ronald Reagan says publicly, not to the American people, but does say in a public place. He mentions AIDS, and he says, one of our highest health public priorities is going to be continuing to find a cure for for AIDS. Yeah, I mean, what's upsetting, though, about that is that he then says that they don't need more money for research and information. Um, and and um, he says continuing, I think, very deliberately to indicate that they've been working exactly. on it, which is kind of bullshit. Yeah, the administration had provided half a billion dollars for research since 1981. A House Appropriations Subcommittee voted to boost spending, and Congress increased proposed spending levels in three budgets with total health research at $4.96 billion. So he's kind of like... No, we don't need we don't need more funding. We, we got it. enough. And then everybody else is like, no, no, no. We need more funding. This needs to be taken very seriously. And we need anybody who's willing to give it, especially this presidency, this administration. We need your help yep. to be able to put a stop to this. This is not like an individual illness. This is something that is plaguing the entire country. And the president needs to be involved. I mean, and it's kind of just, I mean, at this point, how many thousands of people have died of this disease? 5,636. Well, that's, those are the Americans that died in 1985. Yeah. Alone. Alone. In that one year. Yeah. I have that in in 86. It says the cumulative deaths are 16,301. Yeah. So there's, I mean, you are, Coming up to tens of thousands of deaths here. Yeah. So Rock Hudson died on October 2nd, 1985, and his illness and death is largely credited with having changed the national conversation. Yeah. This was a man that lots of straight women had a crush on. Yeah. He was a man who was kind of heralded as being like a ma- masculine. His name is Rock. Man, Rock. It's like Dwayne the Rock. Rock Hudson. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was, a thing that really changed the national conversation as to what you believed AIDS was. And that's and what really, you believed a gay man was, too. And it's a very, very, very sad thing that you could sit at home and really kind of rationalize and think it's okay for people to die. Because when I think of, of gay heroes. I think of gay people this way. And your thoughts about that only change whenever you see someone who you have a different perception of. Yeah. Um, being affected and dying of AIDS. So uh, in 1985... Uh, 5,636 American died of, di- died of AIDS, and the advocate named Reagan homophobe of the year that year of 1985. Love it. So in 1986, Reagan still has not addressed the public regarding AIDS, and nope. this is when our friend C. Everett Koop comes into the picture. Do you yes. want to take it? Sure. He he publishes a report on AIDS which calls for sex education and distribution of condoms and rejected mandatory testing. And this was kind of a huge deal because there were actually Democrats whenever C. Everett Koop was uh, going to become the Surgeon General. There were Democrats who protested this because he was a very outspoken right-wing conservative Christian yeah. who very uh, out, he was very outspoken about his opposition to things like abortion, and so liberals and progressives were like, "This man should not be in your yeah. administration." Well, and Reagan saw that as being a benefit. He believed that when Coop did his report, that it would be in line with his conservative platform. A lot of people did because Coop 
you know, came out later and said he, in the beginning, as the Surgeon General, for all these years, was like, we need to release some kind of public statement about AIDS, and was barred from doing so. He was left out of a lot of conversations. And it became to the point where um, a lot of conservatives were actually petitioning to say, no, let him talk about it. Let him release information. Because they thought that if he released information, he would basically put out a blanket condemnation of homosexuality because he was a Christian. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. all. He sent it out to, I don't have it written down, but he sent it out to just like millions of homes. And like, it was like, it was at your doorstep. Like you couldn't deny it. It was there in your face. And I think that's kind of an amazing thing that he did, even if he's kind of a piece of shit otherwise. And, but you know what? Here's the thing. Like people can have views that I oppose personally, morally, I oppose, but Coop's job was a doctor. Yeah. And he didn't let the, his personal views affect his job as a fucking doctor. Maybe Ronald Reagan should have done the same thing. Right, as a president. Yes. Like, you are the president of the United States. You you are the president of all people. It doesn't matter if you care about them or not. Well, in the conversation we've had, it seems like he does. Yeah. Like, his friend died. It It seems like he is not a homophobic person. I mean, he very well could be. We don't know him, whatever. But if that's the case... He has absolutely no backbone. And this guy, who runs, again, on a very conservative platform... And he faced a tremendous amount of backlash from the of right. Course. Like, And he knew that he would, but he did the right thing anyway. He did so the right thing. So what does that say for Reagan? And, and Coop actually came out and said that he did, quote, "...feel a profound sense of betrayal by those on the religious right who took me to task. My position on AIDS was dictated by scientific integrity and Christian compassion. I felt my Christian opponents had abound- abandoned not only their own friend, but also their commitment to integrity and compassion." And that, to me, is like, you can hold whatever personal beliefs you want that are in line with your beliefs. But as someone who was raised in the Christian faith, I can say that, like, you can be opposed to something morally and also say, I am a compassionate human being. That's what being Christian is. And I am not going to allow these people to die because I disagree with something they've done in their life. What the fuck is that? And if you read the Bible, like, it's one of those things where it's like, what makes you better than... Like Jesus, anybody, like or, you know what I mean. Jesus like, would have stepped in and saved these people. Yes, like, what he, are you doing? And if you read the Bible, he fucking did. Like, I don't understand why so much, so much Christianity in this day and age, it's based and at in that hatred. time, it's based in hatred. Yeah. When that's not the and foundation of what Christianity is, you're that's exactly not right. What it means, you're exactly right. Um, and he said at the time, he said, the White House doesn't like the C word, but if you don't talk about condoms, people are going to die. So yep. I talk. So he came out and basically was like, these are the things you can do to protect yourself. You, like, these are the ways that it spreads. He was honest and he gave information to a lot of people who didn't fucking have any information. Like, nobody understood how AIDS worked because nobody higher up... Was talking up, about it. Even, look look at even um, Ken, Kinsolving, whatever that guy... Yeah, Kinsolving. Kinsolving, the uh, reporter. Even he says that it can be spread through saliva, which mm-hmm. isn't true. But it's that nobody had any real understanding... Yeah, they're of grasping how at straws. any of this worked because no one would talk about it. Literally, everybody was like, the only way that you can have this conversation is to have it under the blanket condemnation of homosexuality and basically saying, this is your punishment for being gay. Yes. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yes. So, um, we can fast forward a few years. Do you have anything else you want to talk about there? Um, in 1987, AZT became the first anti-HIV drug approved by the FBA. The recommended dose is one 100 milligram capsule every four hours around the clock. Which we now know is a lethal dose. Yeah. You cannot take it that often. You can't. But can you imagine, like, being ill and having to just every four hours, like, you wake up in the middle of the night. I'm sure a lot of medications are like that, but to me, it's just, like... But this was unique... It's so all-consuming. Because it was a lifelong thing. It was, like, if you have it's HIV, always. you're going to take a- AZT every four hours 
for the, the rest, rest of, of your life. life, which means you're going to wake up every four hours yep. in the middle of the night for the rest of your life. And you're and, sick. And, and we do now know that that is too much of that medication, yeah. that eventually it will kill you if you take that much AZT. Yes. So more in 1987, the U.S. shuts its doors to HIV-infected immigrants and travelers. So let's fast forward to 2010, when the like over-20-year ban on HIV-infected entry to the U.S. was finally lifted. Dr. Tom Coates of UCLA says... I think there's a reason to be joyful that the ban has been lifted because a ban like this sends the message that somehow we're going to protect ourselves from HIV by not letting people with HIV come into the country. And the truth of the matter is that's not how we protect ourselves from HIV. President George W. Bush began the process of the repeal ban in 2008, and Obama took the final steps to complete it. If we want to be a global, he says, if we want to be a global leader in combating HIV AIDS, we need to act like it. Reagan calls AIDS in 1987 public enemy number one, and ACT UP is founded in New York City. That year, Liberace and Michael Bennett also died of AIDS complications, and the number of deaths that year was 4,135. So I'm going to take it back just a little bit. Um, In 1989, so on January 20th, 1989, that's when Reagan left office. Mm -hmm. About 14,000 people died of AIDS that year, Mm -hmm. and another 18,000 died in 1990, including a teenage boy named Ryan White. So Ryan um, wrote a letter, sorry, Reagan wrote a letter to Ryan White after he died. He was an innocent schoolboy. He died of AIDS because he was a hemophiliac. Mm-hmm. Who and sorry, I wanna. That's often how it's phrased. Yeah, Ryan White was an innocent schoolboy. Yeah, all of these people were innocent. Exactly. None of these people deserve to die this way. Exactly. So it matter. I, I say that only because that's the way it was written in the things that I was it, reading. It, do, it does paint a picture, but you make a valid point that all of these people are innocent. Just because you got it through wrong. sex doesn't mean that you're not an innocent person. Exactly. He got it because he had an illness he couldn't control. He was a hemophiliac, and yeah. he got it uh, through um, contaminated blood treatment. Yeah. So that it, it is kind of like it paints a different image of the fact that like if he had never had this hemophilia, he probably never would have gotten this well, disease. And it's it's a way for those people who are homophobic, I feel like, to be able to view the disease in a different light and to be able to understand that it happens to other people. Well, but it's awful that it has to happen. Tell y- me you're, more, you're, Keegan. You're right about that. You're right about that, and that's what's fucking infuriating here is because in 1990. Ryan White died of AIDS. And Reagan wrote a letter that ended with the words, Ryan, my dear young friend, we will see you again. But that letter really just... So this is a quote. All of this is from a New Yorker article. It says, But that letter really just shows the limits of Reagan's sympathy. Ryan Ryan White was an absolutely delightful Indiana schoolboy who, in the early 1980s, received a transfusion of HIV-infected blood. So he was an, quote, innocent AIDS victim, unlike the gay men Reagan did not like to mention. It is no coincidence that Reagan would feel comfortable singling White out to honor, nor is it by chance that the single biggest piece of HIV legislation ever enacted in the United States is called the Ryan White Act. Of course. Which, I'm not trying to diminish this poor kid's death or illness or anything that happened to him, but so many tens of thousands of gay men have died, and we only put legislation forth and we name it the Ryan White Act after a teenage boy, quote-unquote innocent, who has no ties to the gay community. Yeah. Like, it's it's horrifying. It Um, is. So the Ryan White uh, Comprehensive AIDS Resources Emergency Act, also called the Ryan White Care Act, uh, was enacted on August 18th, 1990, 1990, and it was an act of the United States Congress and is the largest federally funded program in the United States for people living with HIV AIDS. The act sought funding to improve availability of care for low-income, uninsured, and underinsured victims of AIDS and their families. It's an amazing piece of legislation. It's amazing. But it's real fucked up that it had to happen, or it occurred because someone 
who was not part of the gay community was infected. And after so many lives have been taken. Because we only gave a shit when we realized, like, oh, hemophiliacs can get this. Yeah. Children can get this. People who aren't gay can get this. Because before that, it was a thing that was just like, this the gay is disease. God enacting his revenge on you. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yes. It's fucked up. God is going to wipe out the gay community. This and is why we need fresh. a separation of church and state. Yes. Your religion should not dictate who gets medical care and why. Yeah. That is so fucked up. Maybe if they had stepped up to try and put something in action to stop or figure out HIV AIDS before it got to a certain point, maybe that blood bag that infected Ryan White never would have gotten to him. Exactly. But, like, you didn't do anything yep. because you thought the only people who were going to die of this were people who weren't like you, who you yep. didn't care about. And it's so... It makes me so fucking mad. If yeah. this disease had literally affected any other kind of, like, group of people, maybe not, like, black people, maybe not, yeah. like, another group, but, like, if it, there was a quote, I think it's in the, and the band, band played on, I can't remember exactly the quote, but it was basically, like, if this had affected tennis players, if this yeah. had affected Norwegians, yeah. if this had affected another group of people... It things would have, been, would have been taken care of much have more on fire. quickly. Everyone would have been like, oh my gosh, we need to figure this out now. It's crazy. I want to go back a little bit to 1988 um, because this is when the FDA, appro- uh, FDA approves importation of non-approved treatment for personal use. So at the time, doctors would use any drug they could to get what they believed could help these patients, regardless if it was approved. And when Washington threatened to prosecute, the doctors said that they would continue to doing business with countries like Brazil until the FDA offered them a better deal. And eventually they did. Um, these doctors uh, risked their reputations, risked their lives in cases. Losing their licenses, like, exactly, all their livelihoods. Exactly, because they were like, we need to do something. I mean, I really would, I really would recommend that everybody watch a How to Survive a Plague. Yeah, because, it's amazing. Because it's not just, like, what watching all the things that happen are devastating, and it's sad and awful. Yeah. Watching the people, the nurses, the doctors, who are talking about, like, what it was like. I mean, it really, it was a plague. It was like people were coming in. You couldn't stop them from dying. Yeah. And essentially, it was a death sentence. If someone came in and they were like, you have HIV, people really looked at it as, like, I'm going to die. Yes. Like, there's, like, because there, no one was doing anything to stop it. No, and that's what was going to happen. So I read a really great article on sfgate.com, and I read that Reagan's biographer Lou Cannon calls Reagan's lack of action halting and ineffective. A significant amount of Reagan's support actually came from the religious right group Moral Majority, which was founded by Reverend Jerry Falwell. So then AIDS became the tool and gay men became the target, like we talk about, talked about, for the politics of fear, hate, and discrimination, again, like we said. Falwell said AIDS is the wrath of God upon homosexuals. That's such a disgusting thing to say. So in 1985, uh, Rep. Henry Waxman writes in the Washington Post... It is surprising that the president could remain silent as 6,000 Americans died, that he could fail to acknowledge the epidemic's existence. Perhaps his staff felt he had to, since many of his new right-wing supporters have raised money by campaigning against homosexuals. Reagan could have chosen to end the homophobic rhetoric that flowed from so many in his administration, which to me really drives home the point that when you are the president and you're in charge of an administration, he could have been the person to stand up and at least attempt to make could some change. Could have and fucking should have. Could have and should have. He yeah, did and it because... Yeah, and in 1990, he apologized. He, he apologized. apologized when he was out of office. Exactly. You, you got He's out... like, oh, guys, I messed up. I messed he up. He got out of office in January of 1989. He apologized in 1990. Yep. Your apology means fucking nothing. It means nothing. Tens of thousands of people have died. He's like, whoops, like, sorry. Whoops, my bad. I was so worried about being likable. Yep. That, like, honestly, I mean, that's what makes it so infuriating is I feel like Nancy and Ronald Reagan, they wanted to be likable so badly yeah. that they were that not going, they weren't going to rock the boat. And it's something that I cannot overlook. I can never overlook this. Anytime anybody is, like praises Reagan for doing X, Y, Z, I just think, okay, but you let so many Americans die. Yeah. It doesn't matter that... Like, Honestly, I don't even think 
Of course, we need to talk about them being gay men in, because it gives you context and reference. But I think, honestly, if you take all of that out and you just say Americans. American people. You let this many Americans die. Because, under your watch. Under your watch because you didn't want to rock the boat. You didn't want to rock the boat. That's so fucked up. It is. Like, it's it really, is. really deeply, truly upsetting. And it makes me really, 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 really mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to our show, Keegan. It's called Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. I know. Oh, you guys. I hope you got through that. We got through it somehow. But we did it. We I did mean, it's, it's interesting to learn about, and I think people need to learn about it. I think people need to take a really, really close look. I think it should be taught in schools. I think I agree. people in schools should be taught how ineffective this was and how damaging it was. Uh, and it should be highlighted as a thing that we cannot do. Yeah. It does not matter if you like a certain group of people. If you are their leader, this is your job. Yeah. And I think also when you put the number behind the amount of deaths. I think even homophobic people, although they may not change their ideals, they may not stand up for those people, you can hear that number of deaths and still be like, holy shit. I mean, and, you know, knowing somebody who was alive during that period who lives with HIV now, whenever you meet somebody who tells you, like, all of my friends are dead. Mm -hmm. All of my friends are dead. Can you imagine? No. It wiped out his entire friend group. Nope. They all died. I don't even want to think about that. Like, all it's, at, it's horrifying. Within to think a matter about. of a couple of years. And yeah. it's not just that they died, they died horribly. In they a died way, horribly, and no one fucking cared. And no one cared. And it, it would just be like screaming at the top of your lungs, like fucking somebody do something. Yeah, just being and completely like, silent. Nobody is doing anything. Yeah. I can't even imagine how scary and difficult that would be. Yeah. Um, and, and just frustrating to know that you yourself can't really do anything. I mean, there were so many wonderful organizations who gave donations and attempted to do research and all of these things. But at the end of the day, you need the administration of your president behind you. And to you give need, you funding, to give you research, to do something. And to give, and to give any glimmer of hope or that this is going to end or like confidence or anything and and he did absolutely none of that i mean whenever there is a tragedy we look to our president that's the person we look to to give us support and to give us answers and he did absolutely nothing nothing yeah, yeah. Nothing. i mean and, so and he was is... leaving he was leaving everybody ignorant he wasn't just leaving the gay community in the dust he was leaving the heterosexuals of the world completely in the dark, making them believe that it's transmitted through saliva and right. all of these I, ridiculous which allowed, theories. Which allowed other people to get sick, of course, yes. because we now know it's not just a gay disease. Yeah. Lots of people who are straight also got sick yep. um, and, and died from this. And so I just want people to remember this, though, when we are in Pride Month, and when we have fucking whiny-ass straight people complaining about not having a straight pride parade, yep. just realize our country, our president, let tens of thousands of gay people die. Yep. Let it happen. Yep. Didn't give a fuck about it. We don't need a straight pride parade. No, we don't. Like there was something really great that I that Viola Davis posted on Instagram and I was going to post it earlier today. So I'm going to do it tonight. So it'll already be up on Instagram when you guys hear this. But it was a really great example of why um how we should be thankful that the heterosexual community doesn't need a straight pride parade. We should be thankful for that because the LGBTQ+ community went through fucking Amen. hell. And Amen. today was LA Pride. It was very sweet. I went to a kid's birthday party today. There is a family of gay parents who have these adorable little girls. And they were wearing love is love crowns on their heads with rainbows. And it just made me it made me happy that they could be a part of something so regular, like like a kid's party, a kid's birthday party. And then thinking in the back of my mind about this episode and being so 
infuriated that it had to get to that point for us to now celebrate it and to have straight people paint rainbows on their faces and all this crazy right. shit it's why to be I'm, a part of it. It's why I'm very mindful of, like, I would love to participate in Pride. I, you know, I have gay friends. I really want to support them and all of that. But it's also why I'm very mindful of not using Pride and Pride parades as something where I can just, like, go and get drunk and have fun at because, like... Of course. It's... it's I want to be there. I want to be an ally. But and I think there's a us. very respectful way to be an ally. Yes. It's not for us. And it's, you have to realize that it, if it's not for you, that's okay. And I think also a big conversation this year has been about where you're buying your Pride products. Absolutely. Which I think is really important. That's definitely something we could probably talk about in a mini episode. I agree. I, I think um, we should. Yeah. I think we should as well. It's because there are certain important. brands that are now, because it's popular and trendy, selling Pride products who are have, do not have the best track record of, of yeah. supporting the gay community. So. Exactly. So, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you guys learned something. I know I, I learned a lot of stuff researching. I learned even more hearing what Keegan had to say. Um, I hope that you guys really, really enjoyed it. We need, need, need fatherhood stories. Keegan and I... Yes, I'm, please. Thank you so much. Yes. We could probably chat about our dads for three hours each. Probably. Right. I, I think we have two fatherhood stories, so we're happy to read the ones that we have. Yes. And, and talk I, about our dads. But if we, we would love to hear yours. We please, would love please. to hear yours because it really it, it makes it more of a communal thing rather than just hearing us talk at you, which you do every single week. So we'd like to mix it up a little bit. So we really, really, really need your fatherhood episodes. And then we also need your coming out stories. We need those in by June 18th. Please, 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 please send them in. <laughs> um, you can send... Any of those stories into our email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Check us out on Facebook. We have a business and a group page. You can also uh, rate and review us on our business page, which is super fun. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. It's at Yanf Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. You can also, oh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love it so much. And we haven't gotten one in, like, 10,000 years, Keegan, right? Uh, approx. 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 10,000. Approx 10,000 yes. years. So if you guys haven't done it, like, fucking do it. It's a really good idea. Um, also, we really appreciate you guys who are listening on Radio Public. We want even more people to be listening to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen. It helps us out in pennies but yet we are so appreciative and i'm grateful for those pennies i'm so grateful because it, because to me it's like we put work in to see even the small we don't have advertisers we don't we're not influencers on instagram to even have some proof of what we're doing is really something that's beautiful to me so thank you guys who listen if you don't listen on radio public we still love you but like do it all right. I think that's we're, it. We're done. I'm going to yeah. go home and edit now. It's so hot in this closet. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm dying I'm, I'm, right I'm now. sweating so hard right now. I'm going to need my second shower of the day. It's intense. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.